Hi, I'm Tom Scholey, co-writer and artist of Transformers vs. G.I. Joe and creator of American Barbarian, and you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Nice. No interruptions either, which is strange. Huh. Right? Right? Uh, y- y'all are too quiet. Come on, get lively. Right? Well, there we go. What? You got you got to lively up yourself. Did I just say right? Yeah, kachunk. You did. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> He, he's so. Oh, God, did you notice during the during the thing we just did, which we're going to talk about? He's so aggressive towards me, and it's like, oh, dad, like he <laughs> he he pets daps, like, oh, dad, he's so beautiful. And then I come out, like, come on, son, getting all I'd up on me. Let me know what, what universe, what pocket universe you just in. Hey, perception, yeah. dude. You're. Oh, I don't agree with him. <laughs> I wasn't aggressive with that because he was. It was just his icon. His face wasn't there. That was very disturbing. I only did that in hoping that uh, it would kill any of the lag. Oh, you can shut off the video and just do the audio? Yeah. I did not know that. Oh, look at you. Just like you can mute your camera, which hopefully Kevin will next time he's also got to work tech support. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, Vince. I think I'm going to hook you up here. Hold on. You're going to hook me up with what? Wait a minute. On send. Nice. Oh, wait. God damn, I have negged a lot of people in the last month or two. Jesus. Oh, I see what you're doing. Oh, boy. Back to business as usual. All right, everybody. Hello. What? Hi. Hi. No, I... We, fine, go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, Do you please. Think? Do you think? What? Wait. No, I was, I was... I was... When I kicked off the, the Hangout, our chat with Kevin, when we tested it, was there so since it was just four of us the three of us and kevin uh we didn't we weren't concerned we didn't know about the max number of users Mm -hmm. um so yeah we will have to because i was trying to find out how to well we definitely have to tweak it but yeah i mean if we want and i I know at times some people won't just won't be able to attend and and that will uh make life a little easier too but there's also the the live stream on the Patreon that's still in beta. So I, I did think we had it hashed out. Um, I didn't think there was a, there was going to be a limit. So, right. Yeah. And there are no limits here whatsoever, because this is 11 o'clock comics episode 501 button fly. And I am Vince B. Oh, you are Vince B. Mm-hmm. I'm David A. Price. You are indeed, and I am Emmanuel Olomide Ogunlie. <laughs> Was that the one we were looking for? No. No, you just <laughs> you picked the next the next infringing Nigerian that you could find. Yes. <laughs> no, you're not Emmanuel Nagumba Ubopo. You are Jason Wood, everybody, and we're all here. Post 500 in business as usual. I have to admit, I'm a little bit lit. As you, you should be. Yes, because... Dude, we've had some funny ones. Leather Boy Cisco. 
I love him. Uh, what the the listeners at home don't know is we have just participated in our first Google Hangout for our, our Patreons. Yes. We had a, a bunch of peeps join us on the video chat, um, as promised, and we had a grand old time. Uh, special thanks to Monster for showing me the light. And uh, no, it was great, uh, but I'm, I was drinking during the video okay. chat. Yeah. And, uh, well, we'll find out what you what what you were drinking in when a the, few minutes, right? When the time comes. So, hello, brothers. I'm glad to see you. You've survived episode 500. Absolutely. I think it was a, a monumental achievement on your part. No, it was a, well. It was a marathon, but it, it was not a monumental achievement. It was uh, business as usual. And if you would like to always and forevermore get your comics and graphic novels and all sorts of bric-a-brac that you find in the previews catalog for far less than the retail cost where do you go where there's only one place that's right there's only one place dcbservice.com discount comic book service one more time dcbservice.com where you can find all the stuff in the previews at far less than the price printed on wherever it is it's printed. Such as, from DC, I picked a DC book, for good reason, Keith Giffen, Alan Grant, Lobo, Trade Paperback, Volume 1. Uh, cover price on this thing is twenty four ninety nine. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. It contains Lobo 1 to 4, Lobo Paramilitary Christmas Special Number 1, Lobo's Back... One to four, Lobo Blazing Chain of Love, and the Lobo Convention Special, which I can't seem to remember. Oh, it was great. I don't recall the Lobo Convention Special. Maybe I missed it back in the day. I don't know. But um, it will be included in this. It is a, uh, oh boy, $24.99 cover price, but because you're super smart. You're the brainiac of, of purchasing comics. You can have it for $12.49. That's 50% That's off. That's half off. It is. Boy's pants. From Dynamite, Mike Carey's writing it. Kanan Yarar is drawing it. A cover art by Kenneth Roquefort et al. There are many more. It's Barbarella, number one. I hope they do justice to the movie. I've seen the preview art. We'll see. Uh, cover price is three ninety nine. Your price, dollar ninety nine. And last but certainly not least, uh, Ryan Ferrer from the regular show and Adventure Times. Ian McGinty are coming together to present Rocco's Modern Life from Boom. Cover price is three ninety nine. You can take it home for a dollar ninety nine cents. Nowhere else will you find it that cheap. Where? Discount comic book service. They don't mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books all shipped right up and personal to your door. It's an amazing service. Go there if you haven't already. Boom. Oh, I was I was there earlier tonight because I got my email saying, uh, that bruh, is, you're, you're a little so silly. <laughs> we, 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 ain't, we ain't got no order from you yet, so I had to rectify that with the not-so-quickness and... Um, I ended up with a couple things I wasn't expecting. Like I what? removed a title that that kind of hurt. Um, what did you take off? I wanted it. 
I I took off the Lobo trade. Yes, uh, but I, okay, I will co-sign on that only if you replaced it with the Starhawks book. I did not. Or not the Starhawks book, the Gil Kane um, interview the sparring book. with Gil Kane. Yeah, that is on there. Good. Okay, we're good. That I ordered. Yeah, because I remember you took the Starhawks off. But that was yeah, if, that was if, make the cut because it was fifty dollars. Yeah. Yeah, but as long as you're getting the interview book, I'm I can sleep soundly. Yeah, I was, I, I, there are a few names on that interview book that I I cannot wait mm. to see read those conversations. I do. It's it you know I I like the Eisner Miller book as well. I I like when creators can just it's it's one reason why I like Beck Issue when they're with with the pro to pro and I I like that that whole. Not so much eavesdropping, but you're just listening, reading about reading, reading the words that two people who've worked together and and have a relationship and and have worked on things that I've enjoyed. Um, and then sometimes it can get a, it can go off in different tangents, and you just you get a little bit of a glimpse. And and uh, you, when you see when there are people who have been around a while and. Uh, I've seen some things. The uh, I've seen things. I've seen things that yeah. it, it can it can make some very entertaining conversations, and and it's it's Gil, so I had right. to get it. Brother, I got to ask you, what is with Flash? What, does, do they update Flash every day, and and why do they? Because I don't think anybody else any use they uh, use it anymore. It's it's, it's ridiculous. It is. What what browser are you using that they're still asking for Flash? Opera. What sites are you going to? Because I I've been on I, I'm I'm in Opera and I haven't had a Flash request in ages. I don't know. A couple sites. Mmm. Okay then. Couple two three. Jason, how you doing, my brother? Dot com. Why are you so quiet? No, I'm good. I'm. You guys were lagging a bit, so I was trying to figure out if. If I had a connection issue or what have you, but you sound good now. You sound good. No, you guys sound laggy, uh, robotic to me. And I ran a speed test, and it says the connections are fine. I don't know. Wow. Should I say Domo Arigato, Mister Roboto? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ah, what are we but drinking? I'm good. What are we drinking? Uh, I want well, Jason to go first I, this time. Oh, okay. okay. I I I'm drinking Santa Julia Reserve Malbec. Oh, nice. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I'm going to follow hot on your heels because I too have a Malbec. Ooh. Yes. From uh from Concha y Toro. <gasps> this is good. This is the Frontera Malbec. Yes. yes. Frontera Malbec. I like it a lot. Very inexpensive too. That's why I like the Frontera stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I um, that value, son. I I uh, I was feeling some kind of way because I, I felt like maybe we were picking on Vince a little bit the other yesterday. Um, well, 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 wait. I didn't, when? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want you to think. I didn't want you. Oh, to is this Dap getting in his head that, again? No, I didn't. No, I didn't want. I didn't want Vince to think. We, I, didn't, I know you weren't, 
but I didn't want you to think you were being ganged up on because you know when we were talking about the deliverables and and what we need to do. And, oh and no, things right. And and no, I just feel know, that you, way about Jason. You never do it. No, I. I'm just. <laughs> I'm, you know, because you were like, you were like, we got to do the episodes, and and Jason and I are like, no, but we also have to do that, and and I just. And when Jason agreed with me, I just was like, "Oh well, now I I, I just didn't want Vince." To no, so never. Come on, I we're brothers. We 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 stopped off at the uh, the liquor store on the way home, and um, I picked up a bottle of uh, Barefoot Cabernet Sauvignon. If you had picked up a Malbec, it would be the first time we were all drinking the same type of wine. Absolutely right. Yep. I have not had a Malbec in this house for some time. I need to change that. I'll have to send you one. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm enamored, totally enamored with the wine now. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, I will we, we, we should absolutely try to drink the same one night. Yep. One night soon when we all meet up. Oh, well, then we'll definitely be drinking the same thing. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, Anybody have thank yous? Don't Uh, have a thank you, but I do have a congratulations. To whom? Mr. Ron Richards of iFanboy fame. What? He's now a married man. Oh, it Uh happened already? This past weekend. Wow. Good for him. Congratulations. Mm Mm-hmm. How about that? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I do have a thank you, and I was uh, negligent. I should have delivered this thank you uh, two weeks ago, but I uh, I completely forgot. My bad. Um, at the New York Comic Con, I was uh, graciously given a print by Mr. Tony Esmond, and and I had yes. and I had planned to talk about this. Um, but, you know, during the furor of episode 500, I, I completely uh, blanked on it. So I will do so now. He gave me a print um, of a strip that he did with Nick Prolix called Fisty. It's not porn. Um, it is, um, judging by the type styling for the the... the the title, Fisty, it is a an homage to the British strip called Misty. Um, maybe only a name, because if I remember correctly, Misty was, she was a, 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 a British-type horror host that, like, the stories that uh, featured her would be more supernatural and, and ghost-type stories, but that's not really what's going on here um nick's art is amazing and reminds me and this is where they reach across the sea and they they tickle my heart this strip could fit very well within the pages of uh comics book number number one it has it definitely has a bronze bronze age uh sensibility to it um it's in color i love it um, if you are interested in maybe getting a print of a fisty for your own or, um, you know, look up Tony Esmond and Nick Prolix. I'm sorry, I don't have a website or anything for you, but I mean, they're, they're in our Facebook group 
and you know mm-hmm. you you can reach them if you want them. Uh, it, it, I had such a good time. It's it's a one page strip, but it's amazing. It, it's dripping with with the Bronze Age sensibility, and and I love it. And I thank you for giving me this. It's on very heavy stock paper, beautifully printed. I I love it, and thank you, uh, Tony, for for giving me this. So I wanted to rectify that oversight because I'm a jerk awesome. and I and I forget things. Oh, good on you. Yeah, it's great. I wish I had more misty strips to compare it to, but mm-hmm. um, other than that recently published uh, special, uh, Rebellion, I think, did a misty special for Halloween. Uh, I don't have much, so maybe I need to, to look into that, too. But good on these guys. Keeping underground comics alive. It's, it's got that underground vibe to it, too. I just, it's, it's great. I love it. So look them up. Tony Esmond and Nick Prolix. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, Jason thinks this is going to be a, a rather short episode. But, As does David. But well, okay, the guys think, but we'll yeah. see, we'll see where it goes. Short, as in two hours short. Mm. Wow. Let's see. Because we're doing it again. All right, we're doing it again Thursday. Yes. You're getting yes, two yeah. episodes this week. Right. Yes, this is the bonus episode. One of the two bonus episodes. All right. All can th- I, if everything goes right, if everything goes according to plan. Good. Can I start it off? By all means. You know what I reread over the weekend? I we think do, I, but tell us. I, I, tell I us. think I shocked Dap. Legitimately shocked him by telling him that I, w- I was reading this over the weekend. It is... Um, one of the all-time greatest Batman stories. Mm-hmm. Safe to say, I mm-hmm. don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. I, I I am prone to hyperbole, but in this case, I'm doing it justice. Um, written by Mr. Alan Moore, with art by Brian Boland, and colors by John Higgins, I reread Batman: The Killing Joke. Over the weekend. My question to you. Yes. Is it the original? Oh, dude, it's the first printing. Sweet. Nice. Thank you. Come on, son. I, you know, I'm, if I'm going to reread something, I'm going to I'm going to reread That's, it in its native you. habitat. Thank you. Yeah. So I, here's the story. I was looking for books uh, to scan for the EOC cover a day project for our Patreon subscribers. Every day I put up um, a rant. It's seemingly random, but not so much. I, I, I'll scan a bunch of books and put them up one a day on our Patreon site. Um, could be an adventure book one day, science fiction book the next day, maybe a graphic novel, whatever the case. And as I was going through my books, the killing joke popped up and I'm like, you know, I haven't read this in a good amount of years. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to revisit this. It uh, is it one of the only original Batman stories that was published in single issue format at the time. I mean, there was that Batman. There was that DC special that um, introduced the Wraith. That was also a one shot. The the drawn by um, Golden, but. Uh, this was, 
it was it was in the the prestige square bound format right uh it wasn't it, it wasn't um it wasn't marketed as a graphic novel i don't think i don't think no and it was published in 88 yes. which which is well past the golden year of um oh yeah it's 80, dark knight returns right. watchman yeah uh but because in its wake we saw a s- slew of Batman one-shots, Seduction of the Gun, and, you know, there was just a bunch of them. But I think this could be responsible for opening the floodgates, right? Before this, this, what was there? And, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that annuals but still those are those are numbered and those are sequential and and so it, it, they don't in this instance count right looking at it with um fresh eyes it may be my second favorite batman story next to dark knight returns wow i can see that yeah i think i I like it. I like what's going on within the pages more than I like what's going on within Batman Year One. And I, and I don't mean to say the art because if if I had to pick between Mazzucchelli and Brian Boland, as fine a draftsman as Boland is, I would go with Mazzucchelli. Yes. Um, but there's there's a there's an energy and a magic in these pages. That sure. I that I don't think the character of Batman has been graced with often. Obviously, since yeah, there there have been magic with Batman, but there there's a there's a a pulse and a brilliance to this that I I was I was shocked that a lot of the. Um, a lot of the themes of this book were lost on me when I first read it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you guys feel it's, the same way? Have you, re- you elaborate on that for, for well, the listeners that don't know the story? Well, um, Batman seemingly uh, pushes himself into a crossroads with the Joker. Um, I guess uh, Bruce, as he's wont to do, mulls over the fact that the end point to the Batman-Joker relationship can really only end in one of two ways. Batman killing the Joker or the Joker killing Batman. He he feels like it's um, the struggle that they've both engaged in is is so black, so dark, that death is the only outcome. And so he goes to Arkham to to visit the Joker to tell him his thoughts, and when when he when he uh, finally uh, gets in there and talks to the Joker, he realizes that the Joker, uh, the real Joker, has been supplanted by a um, a decoy, a ruse. Mm-hmm. The Joker Joker's somewhere doing something nasty, and the nasty thing that Joker does is he um, barges in on uh, Barbara Gordon with her father, Commissioner Gordon in attendance, and he shoots her, cripples her. So the uh, 
the Batman continuity was forever affected by this book. Yeah. Uh, th this is the one thing, I mean, that hasn't been reckoned. Barbara has been, had been crippled by the Joker, and it had stuck for decades, right, after this was yep. published? Yes. She becomes Oracle. Yeah. And I, I do not believe that was ever supposed to, I guess... Stand. I, I think. I think this was supposed to be just a, a one-shot story. Um, not so much. Oh, this is before Elseworlds even existed. But it's. It was a. I don't think. More wrote it, intending to change. Batman, the ongoing monthly's titles status quo. I, I think this was just a very dark story that Alan Moore was telling and did this to one of the characters in Batman's world, but it wasn't supposed to trickle out beyond that. And it, it, yes, they, they decided to run with it and, and did make, um, Barbara Gordon into something else, a great character, um, uh, written well by many people over the years. So, um, I don't necessarily, it's it's one of those instances where that what Alan Moore did with Barbara and what DC did with Barbara after the killing joke um, makes the last page um, it kind of answers the question some people have had over the years and that is whether or not the issue ends with Batman fulfilling one of the two scenarios that he introduced earlier in the issue and Batman killing the Joker. Because you know if Barbara becomes Oracle, then the killing joke becomes canon then obviously Joker's still alive and, and Batman didn't kill him. But if you, if you look at it as a standalone story, um, there, there are arguments that Batman does actually kill the Joker in the last, on the last page. I don't see it. I don't, I don't, I don't panel. Yeah. I don't, with, I don't see and, the, and the laughter stops. The laughter does stop, but, I think it's brilliant that they used the siren of the approaching policeman to drown it out. As no, it starts off with a V and a W, but then it quickly turns to an E. Just a a, a, a slew of the letter E, which could be right. a scream. That could be the Joker screaming. Right. Mm hmm. Um. I think it's an atypical Batman story in that there's not a lot of fisticuffs in it. No, there isn't. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. And and because it's and and this is why you're not gonna get an argument from me when, when you wanna compare as far as as the storytelling or the line work between Boland or, or Mas Kelly. It there I I'm big Boland fan. Um First time he drew, drew Batman was in Justice League America 200, and 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 I thought he's really good at drawing Batman. I I associate 
because of the the fleet um Fleetway quality reprints. Um, I associate Boland with Judge Dredd more than anything else. And oh, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, even though he wasn't the first Judge Dredd artist, he wasn't no. one of the people on him the longest. But I just, I, I see. I think of Boland. I think of Judge Dredd. So I, I don't always see a visual um, superior sequential artist when when Boland draws a story. The, the killing, this, the strength. The Killing Joke, the the Brian Boland could have drawn any Batman story. It, it's not it's not Boland that makes the Killing Joke to me. It's 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 more story, almost without without an argument, really. I mean, Boland obviously plays a big part in it, but it's 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 for me, it's more of an Alan Moore story than it is an, an Alan Moore and or even a Brian Boland story. Well. It's interesting that you, when you mentioned Judge Dredd and you said that you associate um, Boland with with Dredd, I agree with that. But it's also cool that the origins of Judge Dredd, like Carlos Escara, he's more of a Mazzucchelli. Yes. So that and it, that just the idea of of the the juxtaposition between an elegant draftsman like Boland. And a and a a brutal mark maker like Ascara. No, he yeah. is. He's brutal. He is. And and so so is Mazzucchelli. Mazzucchelli can get very brutal with the brush. Um, it's it just it's it's a neat counterpoint that you just threw out there and and let go. But it's uh, the 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 comparison is 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 brilliant. And I don't know if you intended that, but I think I think it is. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I mean the killing joke itself, the, the 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 actual killing joke in the title. I don't believe it's a joke, per se. Like the 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 last thing we hear out of the Joker's mouth is the of the two lunatics that escape the asylum with the with the flashlight. That's great. That's great. It's it's a great joke, but I don't think the joke is a joke per se. I think the killing mm-hmm. joke is life. There, there's there's a bleakness and an absurdity to this that's that's all life is the killing joke and just the absurdity of existence that more tries to to convey like we 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 get up in the morning we go to work we have a family we have these relationships we go to bed we repeat we repeat ad infinitum every day Life is absurd. There's a, there's a, a a component to life that that is blatantly absurd. Like why would you keep doing the same thing every day without knowing the end result? Hmm. What propels us through existence? What is the reward? Like yes, we all have our hopes that there'll be some kind of reward or at least a peaceful after existence but we don't know for sure right so doing all of this in hopes of achieving something at the end is absurd because you have no guarantee that you're going to get anything other than the void mm-hmm. at the end of this and and i think that's the the relationship between batman and the joker is they engage in this repetitive activity with no hopes of anything other than total blackness at the end like what does a joker actually hope to achieve 
against Batman. He's never going to beat him. The Batman's never going to beat the Joker unless he takes his life, which he won't do, or so we're led to believe. And it's, right. it just seems it seems ridiculous that the two of them would engage in this pathetic dance over and over and over without at least being assured of something at the end. And it's looking back at it now, it is one of the most brutal Batman stories ever told. Like we see Barbara humiliated and yeah. defiled and naked. just just stripped naked. Like everything, you know, uh, to to and and the same thing and happens Gordon to Gordon. Too. Yeah, like yeah. you you remove by the collar. Yeah, anything that separates reality from the individual, like y your clothing, you, the, the reality of it is you look a certain way when you don't have any clothes on. So we put these clothes on to mask, to hide certain aspects of our personality from the external world. The Joker takes all that away. He strips them down to their core in order to humiliate them, debase them, reduce them to, to actually what they are or what he wants them to be, right? And it, it it didn't shock me back then, but it does now for some reason. Like seeing Barbara all naked and 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 bleeding, it's just it's it's it it's very shocking. It hurts, right? Because not only I have to be honest, pre killing joke, Barbara Gordon was like whatever. Right. Yeah, I, I, I identify more with the Oracle version of Barbara Gordon than I do the Batgirl Barbara Gordon because... Yeah, Batgirl was a, a, a sometimes story in, in World's Finest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but she was a cipher. She was she was a placeholder for Batman when, you know, a female Batman to basically to sell books to adolescent prepubescent -pub males, right? Um, but... It's after the Killing Joke where Barbara became a real character to me, and and kudos to DC for I mean Alan Moore didn't significantly change Barbara Gordon. This could her her injury at the hands of the Joker could have been retconned very easily, but yes. the, but they didn't. It was O'Neill and company that made Barbara Gordon into the great character that she is now. Pre Killing Joke, I don't think Barbara Gordon was all that great of a character. Do you guys agree? I mean, I, I do. In theory, I didn't read much of her before that, so I, I don't, I don't have, I don't feel like I really have much of a ground to stand on one way or the other. But, well, she was defined by those she was closest to, and they were males. Like, here's Barbara Gordon, Commissioner Gordon's son. Here's Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, who's in, you know, who is a prodigy of the Bat, but. After Killing Joke, Barbara Gordon became Oracle. Like that was her own thing, mm -hmm. and and she was very good at the role. So I mean, you know, Alan Moore is great at taking things that have already been created and making them his own. I think this may be the one instance where something was made better after Alan Moore had a hand in it. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Jeff Carter. Um, I'm a patron, long-time listener since uh, 2010. Just wanted to thank you guys for all the hours and hours of entertainment you've supplied for me. You're a part of my commute every week for probably a good three hours. 
I often know what you guys are going to say before you say it, and I just want to say congratulations on your 500th episode, and uh, just good work. Keep it up. Thank you. Huh. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... How many, how many times would you say you reread it? Oh, this must be... Maybe four? Ooh. I read... It's... I did, I, I own the original, and um, I did, Renee wanted it, so I did buy the um, the remastered deluxe edition from a few years ago. I read that just to see the differences. I kind of wish I didn't, but it's... What, what's, it's just, wait, what's the remastered part? Like, what does it include? He, he redrew some things. What? M- more than some things. He redrew some things. He colored it. it it's just, it's not, it's... There are a lot of pages that look quite different. I mean, it, it, the the panels, the layouts, the story's still the same. It's just that he redrew Batman. It's, it it doesn't have the yellow oval. It doesn't. It, it's just it's and and the colors aren't as the colors were a big part for for when it blew my mind in the eighties that that the way it was colored didn't didn't help make it um, easy to take or a playful tale it was it, i mean especially when they were in the amusement park and it's like it, it's it it spooked the hell out of me yeah so colors um, are garish they really yes. are they're they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're not yeah, pleasing to the eye at all that they're, they're kind of not in in the uh in the remaster but the fact that he decided to to redraw some things i was just like that that you hate that he hates that. he does he hates it <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a fan. No, I'm not, I'm not either. Be- there's, 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 there's a lot. Of, you know. No. I'm, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, not either. The, uh, it, it should be. Yes, uh, I, I. I'm on record as saying I don't like the George Lucas remastered Star Wars movies. Oh, uh, yeah, there's no. there's no point to it. Like, right. This was a leave the document, the original document alone. Warts and all. Exactly. That was where right. you were at that time, right? Yes. And and just own up to it. Artists evolve yeah. over a period of time. It's it's and inevitable. We all, like, we, we all we all have things that we would like to go back and change. Sure. Like, you know, it's like here's so, the thing, though. Here's the thing. Yeah. I agree with you both. As uh, as, a, as a, no, as a fan of the things, I agree with you. I I just assume it not be done. But where I I do stop short is Vince's comment that there's no point to it because. If the creator determines that there's a point to redoing something he created, then there's a point to it. It may not be a point that you care about. It may not be something that you wish he cared about. But there is a point because the creator himself is the one that said, I want to tweak it. Sure. But the creator, in essence, is saying, I want to go back in time now that I've... with, With experience and time have become better at what it is I think I do... I want to go back and fix the things that now I see it with with seasoned, more mature eyes, the things that I see that are wrong in it. When it was published, those things weren't wrong. Totally. So accept the fact that you progress over a period of time. And there's a lot of factors that, that influence that progression. Let it go. That's that's why we don't like the remastered. I think collectively fandom does not like the remastered Star Wars, right? Because 
they went back and 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 fixed the things that they you know Lucas thought was wrong, and there was nothing wrong with them. They they were a product yeah. of their times. I, I I have a problem with with uh, the remastered stuff. And yes, David knows that Neil Adams is is a person that does this too. He goes back and and tweaks stuff. Mm. You mean to tell me that the original Neil Adams stuff is lacking in any way? It's not. It's not. No, it's not. To our eyes. I mean, he he just... I mean, there's a man that is totally convinced of his own brilliance. Like, why would he go back? But I'm... And to Jason's point, too, he feels a need, so, yeah, do with it. We don't have to buy it. We don't have to watch it. Um, Back to Killing Joke. Do you guys think it's significant? I do. That the Batmobile <laughs> that Batman shows up in is the original? It's the old, yeah. Alan Moore doesn't do uh, things offhand. Oh, that's interesting. I, I never thought about yeah, it. Yeah, the old, the, old, the old head face grill. Um, I mean, conceptually, it's brilliant, but realistically it doesn't make a whole bunch of sense that bruce would that batman would show up using outmoded technology he obviously i mean he he must have a batmobile that's better than this more uh, that's faster can do more things but yet he shows up in the the old batmobile there there has to be that has to be more saying something that you know this is we're getting to the the s the core of these characters, and we're going back to the, what makes them tick. Because the 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 Joker's origin story is is in here. Yes. You know, there's there's flashbacks of of the Joker in in the chemical plant as the Red Hood falling into the vat of chemicals, and we we see that it was it was Batman that spooked mm-hmm. him and made him go into the the chemicals. So. It just it makes a kind of ironic sense that Batman should show up in a in a a, a piece of of something from his formative years, right? I, yeah, I never thought about it, but it makes sense what you're saying. I think that also plays into this being a. standalone one-off tale because it 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 almost makes it timeless it, mm-hmm. it, it it's not set in any days you know like you said about the fisticuffs but it's also he doesn't it's he doesn't rely on all the gadgets or the computer that we see in batman shadow for example and and it's just it's it's a somewhat simple story of of Batman versus the Joker and it's um, it makes it all it for me it kind of fits it's it's not obviously it's not immediately after uh, Joker's creation and and Batman is trying to stop him they Joker's been at this for a while now so um, but by using but by having the the old Batmobile, um, you're not tying it down to any particular, um, right? Any particular Batman era. I mean, right. the Joker doesn't have a digital camera. And, so there, and, there's a timelessness to it. Yes. Yeah. 
Yep. And I also found it interesting that the first two pages are the mm. Dave the Dave Gibbons uh Watchman nine panel grid and then that melts away. There's one more nine panel grid page. That melts away and it's all, you know, uh six panels then it then they jazz it up with other layouts and then the last two no the last page returns to the nine panel grid so it's like he's the more and boland are saying yeah this is the stuff you liked from watchmen that that thing that garnered so much acclaim but this is different and it goes away, and then it comes back at the end. So it's like, you know, we interrupt this regularly scheduled program to bring you the killing joke, and then at the end it, it segs back into the nine-panel grid. There's just so much to love about this book. There, there's actual, uh, there's a, a component of sympathy that more in, inserts into the Joker the character of the Joker where, you know, he just wanted to make life better for his kid. That's it. Yeah. But yeah. he makes stupid decisions. Right. Like like these, these thugs who want to use you to get through the chemical company to get into the card company next door. They actually have your best interests in mind. Like, are you, are right. you serious? You're dumb, dude. It's a get rich quick scheme. Like this is Cranmar's mystery appetizer. From from the, the the honeymooners like Jackie Gleason as Ralph Cramden was always looking for that get rich quick scheme or that that thing that was going to pull him and Alice out of the out of the that that run down dirty apartment. The Joker's just looking for the same thing. He just wants to make life better for his wife and his kid, and he makes dumb decisions. And and that one dumb decision and a little bit of fate because the wife dies. Uh, spoilers the wife dies testing a bottle warmer um and that that's what pushes him over the edge i think that's the point where he finally he starts to lose it he he goes a little bit insane before he falls into the chemicals i think the chemicals just kicked it in the ass it it, the, the 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 chemicals was the miracle grow on the seed of insanity that the the wife's death planted the Miracuru. Miracle Grow. <laughs> he doesn't watch Arrow. Oh. I don't. Why? No. But um, th- there are a number of panels in this thing that have since become iconic. The Joker with his hands in his hair laughing. Yeah. Has the, is, there, is there a single panel illustrating the Joker better or more effective? I shouldn't say better. More effective than that panel. No, it's Bolin pretty much nailed it. Yeah, that that panel right there encapsulates everything you need to know about the Joker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant work. And looking back now, it was three dollars and fifty cents when it was published. Yep. That's yeah. the price of almost a st- a regular old throwaway standard issue these days. True. Yeah, I, I needless to say, I had a, a ton of fun reading this again. And it had a ton. Of fun being read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a ton of um, 
multiple printings and all everybody was well, what, what if, if you didn't know what number printing it was you could at least tell by the color of the um of the title on the cover and yeah they right doing mm-hmm. raised cover the, the raised lettering and it was yeah. but um it was i it it definitely takes me back it, it it's one it it is a story that will transport me back to where i was when absolutely it came out when i first read it, it it's it's a uh it's a hell of a piece of work it, it's definitely recommended it is it, it's why it's usually rattled off and you know top five batman stories of all time it, it's a uh it's it yeah i would say that it's a great piece of work but it, it's hard to you know because of the subject matter because of what happens to the people in the story it's it's, it's like vince wanting to not say uh a certain story is entertaining when we kind of felt it was but it it's a it's if you haven't read it you should just totally read it but it's uh yeah it it will i could see it being a book of the month sometime months to come but it was a uh it's it it's great stuff but there's one thing i never understood and i i don't think we're supposed to understand it it's just that that unhinged joker sensibility why does he show up at commissioner gordon at barbara gordon's door with the shorts with and the hawaiian shirt and the hawaiian shirt like i i don't under, i don't get it like why did he do that what he looks like he's on vacation right did you do you understand that why he he dressed that way to I, I it doesn't exactly blend in but he he had to unless maybe it's well, just how, this absurdity. how many times do we see him oh it's definitely yeah that it how many times do we see him after he escapes from arkham before he goes to see barbara uh let's see i don't think any because we don't actually see him escape from arkham the 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 first so, time we see him he's brokering the deal for the amusement park and he's in the standard he's got the like the the uh the london fog right type okay. coat on and what's the oh right no and the guy who he's buying or leasing it from we see later on anyway but yeah that uh, poor so, bastard uh, like that, that freaked me out too. still riding the elephant he um so it's not like he that guy was wearing it and he just took his clothes to blend in or anything like that i was right. thinking, i mean it's it's a very well the, who the hell goes to vacation at, at gotham it's not a touristy place and it's not and that's not a touristy outfit so um yeah yeah, I just chalked it up to Joker being Joker. Right. Yeah, and just just the absurdity of it. Right. It does make for a nice action figure though. Here. Yeah. Hmm. But um just to give John Higgins uh a tip of the hat, the colors in, in this book are shocking. Uh yes. espe- especially the part where um Barbara gets shot. Because it's it's fairly standard. Uh I mean he approaches it in a in a the typical way like the room is is colored in in hues that you would expect given the lighting and stuff but once she get once joker comes to the door everything shifts to 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 just hot colors oranges and yellows and reds and the lighting is garish and it it's just insane the colors are in this book are insane 
the um, I put in the uh, in the Skype chat some before and after pages, for example, so you can see just how thanks bad it is. But uh, from what I've been told, because I haven't seen it and I don't think I will see it, um, do not watch the animated Killing Joke instead of reading this story. I almost never watch those DC animated things. Yeah, same. I've seen the New Frontier one, the Crisis on Two Earths, the um, there was a couple Justice League, I think Justice League Doom. There were some good ones. I didn't, I think the last one I read was, um, the last one I watched was the um, Dark Knight Returns two-parter. But haven't seen any after that. And because I, I haven't seen All-Star Superman, but from what I remember some of the outrage with the Killing Joke cartoon is that there is a backstory where Batman and Batgirl actually have a relationship. Oh, relations. Yeah. Relations. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're so silly. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's totally unwarranted. Like, why? Exactly. Right. Oh, well. Well, you pretty much, it, it, it has just gone from maybe I'll watch it if there's nothing else on to like, nah, no, son, no. never going to watch nope. that. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> yeah. All right. So there you go. Killing joke. Somebody like else, it. somebody else take the wheel. You smart. Well, that could segue into something that was, uh, I don't know what Jason's um, breakdown was with the top three most vote getters, but. Don't know how Batman heavy we want to go, but that could segue into a Batman book that Jason had on his list. Did you read it as well? No. <laughs> Jesus. I, I told Vince you, you know, you, you know, I, I, know, I, I, know, I told I know. you I wasn't going to. I know Vince didn't read it either. What would that be? White uh, Knight. Batman White Knight. Oh, no, I didn't read that. I'm not, I'm probably not going to. So I would like to hear why. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's unpack that. Why, why are you probably not going to? <sighs> I'm not all that enamored with that, that cover image. Okay. And, and yes, call me, um, uh, superficial. Sometimes, sometimes a cover image can turn me off, especially if the cover image is drawn by the person who draws the interior as well. I I don't like the cover to the first issue of uh, White Knight, and and the whole idea that you know let's just flip the script and the Joker is the hero and Batman is the villain. I'm I'm just not into it. I'm not. Hmm. But maybe you can tell me why I should be. Well, I'm not going to say that, but I... Well, if, if anybody I, can I, convince me, it's you. I do, I do laugh, though. I mean, I do, I do declarations like that, I feel, always are um, traps for any of us. We've all made declarations like that, and it always seems silly in retrospect, considering the things that we do tolerate. Like... Oh, yeah, we all have that. Like, love, love Frank Castle as Frankenstein. Yep. But dare, dare to make Joker... 
dare to make Joker the hero and Batman the villain and can't have that. So, um, but yeah, well, listen, you just, you just encapsulated the synopsis. This is an Elseworlds tale. It's no different than a what if, um, in this case, it is Sean Gordon Murphy, uh, writing, uh, scripting and drawing, um, a limited series in the Batman world where, um, as you alluded, uh, through a ser- series of circumstances, which we do see in the first issue, um, the Joker is cured of his insanity. And similarly, uh, the bat is captured as a, as a uh, danger to society and is, uh, imprisoned in Arkham. And, uh, Murphy does a little bit of a time shift here where we are first introduced to, um, the Batmobile, uh, pulling up to Arkham Asylum, and uh, you see the guards. The Bat- Batmobile pulls up. You see the guards saying, "Right this way, sir." And then uh, the shrouded figure says, "I know my way around," and asks, "How is he?" And they show the keys opening the door. Um, and since it's a Batman book, you're assuming that's Bruce asking about the Joker. But of course, we don't actually see those images. It's just in our mind. And then the next page is. Uh, is Batman in uh, in chains in 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 a in a prison cell with uh, a Natalie attired uh, man that uh, looks a little bit like Sherlock Holmes uh, named Mister Napier, uh, who is uh, there to talk to Batman. Says he needs his help, and uh, we then flash back to a year before where uh, the Joker is uh, in his usual madcap form uh, wrecking havoc throughout Gotham. Um, Bruce and Batgirl are hot on his tail. And uh, then you've got uh, Dick uh, on a motorcycle also in chase. They're all trying to capture him. He's he's evading them as as is off the case. But uh, finally, Bruce catches up to him. And uh, uh, this time he snaps. And Bruce beats him to near death. And unfortunately for Bruce, everybody is there watching it happen. It's on camera. It's on video. Everybody sees Bruce acting like an absolute savage. And, uh, and uh, hence the, the change in public opinion. And the thing that really does it over is that uh, while he's on camera with the news, uh, Bruce pours a bottle of pills down the Joker's throat and makes him swallow, trying to get him overdose. Um, and and then lo and behold, uh, I'm sure as as Bruce never had planned, the overdose actually cures the Joker, and uh, and we go from there. And so you start to see that that he uh, he, he becomes um, like a reformed sex addict, basically, right? Uh, he's a um, he he comes to first of all he's he he doesn't he doesn't just become cured right away but but uh, but he kind of uh, he becomes sane but he's not a do-gooder instantly uh, but he comes to terms with everything that he's done as the Joker um, and uh, eventually turns into uh, a do-gooder um, and he does so by basically uh, teaching himself about uh, the law and crime he actually. Um, uh, files a bunch of uh, court 
briefings, you know, through teaching himself the law to uh, get himself declared um, innocent due to insanity um, and eventually becomes uh, Gotham's white knight. Now, of course, this is the, all in the first issue where so we know that he's he's been good for some time. Um, he does. Re- he has retained all his memories. He has professed to be the white knight of Gotham and he's asked Bruce for help. Uh, but we have no idea yet if this is a clever ruse, if he's going to eventually fall back into being the Joker, if uh, if if Batman has an even darker turn to take. We don't know any of that. So we're left with basically the status quo being that that uh, the Joker is now a hero named uh, Napier and he has uh, gone to Arkham to seek Bruce's help. Um, now, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm looking at the cover image. I don't I don't know why the cover image bothers you. Um, are you are you not a fan of of Murphy's work in general? No, I am. I just I think that the cover is um, there's something about the facial features of the Joker that bug me. Mm, okay, then Harley's back. Well, I th- yeah, I think the the shadow of the split between Harley, Harley's uh butt cheeks is you would never see that shadow from that angle you would that that he inserted I don't know why he inserted that little infinitesimally small blackness right between the crack of her butt there but that mm-hmm. that that's just it would never be in in at that the twist of her body like that, you would never see that shadow. But that's regardless of mm. that. That's not the point. Mm. The, just the the face of the of the Joker there, and like I really can't put my. F- Some things are just are just primal. Just just mm-hmm. they're, they're, I have I have just a feeling from looking at this cover. I don't like this cover. I don't like the typography. I don't like. I just don't like the cover. So. You can lead a horse to water, right? But that cover is not going to let me drink. I, mm-hmm. I just don't like it. But I'm not going to slight Sean Gordon Murphy. I'm, I'm looking right now at the interiors. Some of these pages are beautiful. Like the, the, the image of Batman in chains with the, the Joker looking up at him. Like, that's a great page. And the, the, the page where Batman's beating the hell out of the Joker the full page with the three panels to the lower right. That's a great page. You know, I have nothing against his art. It's that damn cover image that just bugs the shit out of me. What I can't understand, um, and this is not something that's pertinent to just this issue. This has happened in superhero comics forever. Why, when somebody gets captured, do they get to stay in their costume? (laughs) Yeah, it's silly, right? Right, I would think if you're imprisoned, uh, either in an insane asylum or in a max security prison, you wouldn't be entitled to a secret identity, right? Right. Because in this, to your point, uh, Napier shows up and it's it's Batman in his cape and cowl, shackled, and and that is not a, a Murphy thing. That's there's been a million scenes in Batman comics where he's gone to Arkham and lo and behold, they're all in their costumes, right? Um, now, sometimes they're not in their costumes. I much prefer it when they're not because that, that doesn't make sense to me. But uh, it just seems to be a, a trope to, that they always keep them in their costumes. It's baffling. Um, yeah, I really dug it. I, I love Murphy's art. I think he's phenomenal. Um, and I think he is one of the um, – I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as to say that he's uh, 
you know, approaching like legend status or anything like that. But I will say that uh, among the art crowd and among his peers, he is held in incredibly high regard. There's an entire school of artists working in comics today that are considered of the Murphy school. And I'm not really interested in debating whether that's a fair accreditation because I, I could credibly say that many of the people thought to be of the school are, are more his contemporaries than his um, mentees. But nevertheless, um, much like Jim Lee was evocative of a lot of other artists at the time, but the best example, I think most people within the industry consider Murphy at or near the top of the craft. Right. Um, right. So, so yeah, and, and, and I, I mean, I, I like his work too, but I'm just saying, I think to me, there is some, it's not like tie goes to the runner, but there is something to be said for knowing that a, a, a creator is renowned by his fellow craftsmen more than just fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there are artists. No, that you're fans right. Love. You're right. There, I, there are like 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 J. Scott Campbell. Fans love him. I mean, fans will pay. Th- not will. Fans do pay thousands of dollars to have him draw a commission for them, or to buy a piece of his art, or a commission, or a sketch cover that he's done. Um, I don't know that J. Scott Campbell. Uh, cue all the J. Scott Campbell fans sending me hate mail. I don't know that he is regarded by his peer group as being um, at the top of the craft. Right. In, in musical terms, I think J. Scott Campbell wrote the perfect three-minute single, mm-hmm. and he's been singing the same song for his entire career. It's a great song, but we <laughs> but we've heard it all before. Yeah. Um, so he like with the Danger Girl stuff, awesome, visually arresting stuff. But he's taken that Danger Girl template and he's applied it to right. everything he's done since. And it's not a bad yeah. thing, you know. It 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 has made a career for him. But I always look, I like to see the origins, or, or I like to try and find the origins of of uh, artistic styles. From to my eyes. In in uh, Sean Gordon um, Murphy's work, I see a shit ton of Tommy Lee Edwards and John Paul Leon. Not not the same visual shorthand that those two men use, but in layout, in the fact that Murphy relishes the blacks. He he oh yeah he yeah. loves the shadows. Uh, Edwards and, and uh, Leon, they, they take the same approach. They will use shadows to great effect. Um, mm-hmm. But Murphy's more of an elegant draftsman in a sense that he there's more detail in his work. Like Tommy Lee Edwards lets a lot of the, the, the viewer piece together the details where Murphy will actually put them in. But no, I, I think the approach is the same. It's just the, the amount of detail that you know, is, is, is revealed. That's more, it's, it's, it's increased on the Murphy side, but I think the approach is the same. Yeah. This is Batman from the popular comic series, Batman. 
calling to wish the 11 o'clock comics crew and family a happy 500th episode. Now, this is John Dudley. I love all of you guys, though. So stoked that you made it to 500 and couldn't be more excited to listen to the 1,000th episode uh, down the line. I, I, I Especially with Tommy Lee um, and John Paul to a, to a degree, but, but definitely with, with Tommy Lee, I, I see, I look at his art and I see that's, because of his line, that's all brush. That's just mm-hmm. nice, thick brush and with with Sean, with Murphy, then I, I'm like, okay, that's that's a pen. That, I mean, it's a very right. Well, that's all, what I'm all saying. The lines are deliberate. Right. No, no, yeah. no. And that's it. That's exactly. Mm-hmm. What I'm agreeing with you 100. percent it, It's a. Uh, it's it. There's a lot more. You're gonna get a lot more speed lines in a Murphy panel than you will with Edwards. But it's you're going to you're gonna end up with the same thing. It's just yeah. It, right. It's, it, it's almost as if the the the. Edwards and the Leon art is being shot through a, a slightly out of focus camera, and then someone notices and adjusts the focus to crystal clarity. That's when you get the Murphy art. Does that does that make sense to you? It's like mm-hmm. you, you yeah. see you know you see an image that's slightly out of focus. Oh wait, hey, tweak that, and they just. Tw- just turn the focus just a little mm-hmm. bit, and then mm-hmm. you would get Sean Gordon Murphy. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I am totally convinced that he is an amazing illustrator. I, I love his artwork. It's just that this has more to do with the themes of the book than no, it does the actual I mean, visuals. You've read a, a a crap ton of of, of bat comics. I get too many, I, too many bat comics. Yeah, um, yeah no, no, I'm. I, I'm I'm not. Uh, I didn't mean to. No, don't disqualify don't, your. You're yeah. your not wanting to read it. I, I. I just was saying it's. It is ironic because I'm sure if we go back and listen to the 500 eps, there's been times where each of us has said something like that. Like oh, I'm sure. just not really into that. Right. For whatever reason, and then lo and behold, we've probably contradicted ourselves. I could. I can almost guarantee. Right. I can stop. I could almost guarantee when when <laughs> when when White Knight comes up for order as a collected edition hardcover, it will be on my list. I'll read it and I'll be like, "What mm-hmm. the frig was I thinking? Why haven't I read? Why didn't I read this before now?" But to get to that starting line, the fact that they flipped the script and now the Joker is the good guy and Batman is the bad guy, it seems it seems very childlike. Very adolescent mm-hmm. to me. Like there's there's really it's not a revolution in storytelling to make the villain the hero and the hero the villain. Like, okay. But the the proof is in the pudding. When I eventually read it, I will probably agree with everything you're saying right now. Sure, sure. Well, the- and I think the way this was marketed, uh, um, I, I don't know yet because we're only one issue in whether I think Sean as a writer is on par with Sean as an artist. Uh, we'll know that later on in the series or when it's over, or at least I'll have an opinion on that rather. Um, I just presumed that there was no way even if I thought the story was hokey that I would be upset with owning this book because I figure at worst I was getting a bunch of pages of Murphy drawing the Gotham right. 
characters. That's not so, a bad thing, right? Yeah, I mean, so, so worst case, I get him putting his heart and soul into a bat book for the first time in a long time, and to hear a lot of people say the last time it's going to happen. Um, now, now again, I, I now I don't, but I don't want what I just said to be misconstrued as me having an issue with his storytelling in the first issue. I thought it was off to a strong start, so um, so I am ho- very hopeful that there's 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 uh, a more than a that there's more to this story than just the surface level. Let's flip the script, right? And and I do think there is. In my my guess is there is because he spends so much time in the first issue, not only establishing that the Joker is sane and a good guy, but giving us the background for it to make us feel like okay, he really is a good guy, and that and then the last page where. It's a splash page of of, uh, of uh, Napier when he's he's set to make his case to get out of prison, uh, and he says, "I love Gotham, and it's time I paid her back for the debt I uh, owed by the Joker. The city deserves better than you, better than the Joker, and better than the Dark Knight. So I'm going to be her White Knight." So it just it, it seems to me like he's saying, by the time the story's over, those proclamations are going to either look foolhardy. Or twisted in some way, right? So, but as an Elseworlds tale, are we to assume that the Bat continuity up to the point of the telling of this story has is all has all happened? So, every despicable act that the Joker has committed that we've read in the yes. past has happened. Oh, well, the, um. No, I, I mean I don't. Well, I can't. I can't say that with certainty. But we are right. certainly to believe that he was a despicable villain right. that did all manner of atrocities and remembers doing them. Okay. Is, so is why the would same? he ever come up for parole then? That's what I, I'm not. I don't understand he, that. He, do, he, do, he doesn't. He 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 um, gets cured. Right. Uh, he also files charges against the GCPD back in <laughs> Gotham City um, because of his being mistreated and all these other things. Um, I know. Is is it the same Jack Napier from the Tim Burton Batman movie? I I don't know. I mean, it's his name is Jack Napier, but I don't I don't I have no idea. Like, I mean, obviously that's where he got the name from. I don't know if... I mean, the dude doesn't look like Jack Nicholson. No, I knew that. Um, Okay. It's interesting. Uh, My curiosity is piqued, but I'm going to wait until it's all said and done and and I'll read the collection. I'll probably love it. We'll see. I look forward to it. I'll you telling us about it. Yeah, see, it, Ali at least give it a chance. David's just like, right. nah, son, I'm done. <laughs> I'm listen, not going I, there. I just, listen, I, I explained to to Jason and, and Justin and Cliff. And I, I, I have, there are, I feel a certain kind of way about Murphy these days and, and that doesn't, you know, separate the artist from the art and that's, and, and that's fine. And I, I totally it's get clearly that. an example sure. of you not doing that for the record. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. No. And I, I, but that's, 
that's not to say that if he were to do something else, I'm, I'm, I'm open to giving something else a chance. This, this doesn't interest me at all. It, it's, it's yes. I, and I know, I know he can draw a hell of a Batman and it's, you know, however my feelings about the dude who I've never met aside from thanking him for, for off-road many, 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 many years ago, it's, that's one thing. This, the, the concept of this book, this, the, the, this Elseworlds, this, um, the flipping of the script and, and it's, there's just everything I've heard about this story just made me not want to read it. Right. Um, more and more. So it's, it, it, but if he were to, it, but looking, you know, over some of the recent stuff, I think the last thing, um, I enjoyed by him that he drew, he didn't write it, was, it was Joe the Barbarian. Other than that, it, it's, that was you know, great. I, yeah. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, punk rock Jesus was, was okay, but I mean, I don't, I, I'm not going to go from that and think, okay, well now the guy can write Batman. I just, it, they're just, and, and it helps that it's not a, a, a Batman story set in the, even the pre new 52 or, or it, it, it's, it's its own thing. And, and that's cool. And it gives him plenty of room to play with, but, um, you know, when, when he decides to, to tell another story or, or draw another story about something else, I'll, I'll, I'm willing to give it a shot. But right. it, I mean, ben, but, Vince wants to read this. That's cool. I just, I'll it, eventually read it. Yeah. Just because I'm a, I'm a fan of great art. So why wouldn't well, absolutely. I read this? Yeah. And, and I think man is, is a, is a phenomenal talent. You could draw like nobody's business, but uh, there, there's still just a shit ton of things that I still have to read and, and to stop and read something that I'm not automatically right off the bat, not going that, not really willing to give the benefit of the doubt to. I just, yeah. I, I, I think my time would be better spent. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, there, there in the strata of purists of on 11 o'clock comics, the top of the list is David. He is the he is the <laughs> yes. the, the head honcho of the purists in ev- uh, uh, in everything but Spider Man Homecoming. I don't know why he likes this movie, but we'll g- I'll give him the when benefit. Did you of the- see it? When did you see it? But the yeah, very. I'm just saying the very idea of Tony Stark designing the Spider Man costume that should not sit that's... well with you. So you didn't. So, so you didn't read anything that i wrote about the movie no because i was gonna see it eventually someday okay so so if you were to read it you'd know that that was definitely not why would i wrestle okay why would i he should because he's a purist then comes me jason's on the bottom like i'm more lenient with things but jason will accept anything face you know sure because jason jason's all about the story it doesn't there's no it's it's not it, it doesn't i mean granted it's not like if he were to um I mean, we're not talking Death of Wolverine type stuff here, but I mean, usually if, if it's a story that is, is told well, is done well, and, and is believable in, in the world that they're, that they've established, then, 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 then he'll roll with it. But he's, he is way more willing to give everything a chance. Yeah. Whatever. And, and seriously, no Uncle Ben, why do you like that movie? Dude. 
I, I, I maybe I'll read. I'll read your thing. Homecoming was Spider-Man Homecoming was great. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. No, it really was. It was great. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. But <laughs> no, uh, I don't know what I want to say. But I, I just like I don't want Sean Gordon Murphy to think that we're lumping on him because he's a phenomenal. Hey, no, he's a phenomenal talent. And I'll listen. And, uh, let's keep it one hundred. I, I don't. I don't think Sean is too concerned about. Oh, I uh, think he is. Opinions. He I is. Love, hate, love or hate his. <laughs> no, he he definitely is. Jason, he's, or, he's, or, he's pulling in three three four thousand dollars a page now, so I think he's doing okay. That's ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah he's not worth that. Uh, G- David, three thousand a page. Who's worth that? Seriously, if, if Who, somebody's paying for it, then whoever it is. I know, uh, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things. Who's worth three thousand a page? Anyone that can get it. That's true. By by the business standards, yes, that's true. But well, I, I'm just sensitive to that line of thinking because there is a Facebook group. Dap's a part of it as well. It's a sketch price group, and there's almost ten thousand members now. So it's a lively group. And someone thoughtfully posted a thing. They're relatively new to the group this week, saying. Uh, it's been fun being a part of this group, but I have to say that one thing that I keep seeing that I don't understand at all, and can you explain it to me, is why people seemingly get angry over the price of commissions and art. I don't understand that. Like, if if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. And, like, I don't, like, why would you be angry about it? And, it's because it's sour grapes. It's just like, right. I, and, yeah. No, but, but, but it, you know, and it, it was an interesting discussion, and everyone's voices were heard, and, Right. I mean, ultimately, well, you know, my stance on this, uh, my stance was, listen, you get yours, man. I mean, um, it's it's irrelevant even because people were trying to dissect the why. Like some didn't want to hear that it's because um, to stop flippers, you know, yeah. the people. And I, and I my stance was, listen, I don't I don't it doesn't matter why it, it doesn't matter why why the artists have come to the conclusion that they've undercharged for years. The simple fact is they did, because look. If I'm artist A, excuse me, and I have time to do 10 commissions, it does me no good if I have a thousand people that want that commission for me for a hundred dollars because I can still only do the 10. So if I raise it to 250 and now instead of a thousand people wanting my commissions, it's a hundred people still does me no good because yeah, I'm getting 250 now, but but I can only still do 10 commissions. So they should do what they've been doing, which is figure out the price such that they basically get as many people interested in buying this stuff as they have time to do. And whatever that price is, is the price, man. And like, if there's a, if there's a recession or their fame wanes or they're no longer on a hot book or it's 15 years later and people don't remember their names, well, guess what? They're not going to get those prices anymore. No, no, I understand. Right. I get all that, but I'm saying as a consumer, you have $3,000 in your, in your hands and you, you would like to get, a you would like to get pleasure for your dollar who out sure. there to you is worth three thousand dollars for a page to me i have to factor in experience mm-hmm. there there is a noticeable difference between the line of a new or mid-career creator a visual artist and somebody like Simonson, 
There is a wealth of experience in every Walt Simonson line. There's the same can be said about John Byrne, Alan Davis. Like these guys are seasoned professionals who have been doing it for decades and they approach the craft with all that experience. Like every line speaks of all that experience that they've, they've, they've sweated and bled and, and toiled over all these pages that they've completed. To me, Alan Davis is worth $3,000 a page, right? Richard Corbin is definitely worth $3,000 a page. Sean Gordon Murphy, not so much. Yeah, he's great and his visuals are, are beautiful, but they don't ring with that experience that a Walt Simonson brings to the table. I, he, I think the issue here is that when you're talking about money and you're talking about one-of-a-kind things, Asking the question what you or I would deem worth it is truly irrelevant. Okay. Right? Because because what I would deem worth it is going to be different than what you would deem worth it, which is going to be different than what David would deem worth it, which is going to be different than any of the thousands of listeners we have deem worth it. Worth um, is subjective is what you're saying. Well, ironically, you're bringing the monetary angle into it. I'm, I'm saying, which normally be my, my stock and trade here, but I'm saying when you're bringing money into it, yeah, because – would I personally pay $3,000 for a, a page that's from a book that came out this month? No, I wouldn't. But, but I don't, I don't ascribe any value judgment on that statement. It's just that I have a fixed budget for art. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, it is larger than many others I have the, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have a budget to buy art that, that is, you know, it's, it's a decent budget. Um, no, I, I wouldn't, but, but, but that doesn't, to me, it's just so irrelevant because there are hundreds of people that would. Right. And that, that's all that matters, right? And, and, and honestly, the, the great thing about this kind of stuff is if Sean put those pages up for sale at a couple thousand apiece and none of them sold, well, guess what? He goes into his website, he opens up the edit button, and he changes the prices <laughs> to a lower price until they start getting sold. I mean, it's right. not – you know what I mean? Like there's no skin off his back, right? Right. So, right. Um, and and I, as you know, I, I own some Murphy art. At much lower prices, and I feel fortunate to 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 have had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just saying, like like I like I, I have Alan Davis pages. I I had the opportunity, as you both know, to buy Excalibur pages recently, and they were roughly three thousand dollars a piece. And happy wife, happy life. I I I didn't do it. Um, Oof. Do I personally think they were worth those prices? Yes, I do. I, I yep. again, if if it was just Jason in this house with no kids and no wife and no budget, <laughs> uh, I would have. I would be. I would be laying on them right now. <laughs> I'd have a, myself. a bed of Alan Davis pages. <laughs> um, Did, were um, the pages from the uh, the uh, Nightcrawler Warlord of Mars issue uh, available? Oh, I I don't know. I didn't. I I would drop three thousand on any page from that issue. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, we had two during our um, during our webcast chat. We had two interesting questions. I thought from our peoples. We had, we we asked if any of them had any topics for us to discuss tonight. And two people offered up questions. I thought were interesting mm-hmm. for the evening. Do we want to jump into those? Why the heck not? Okay. Um. I I'm I'm. Unless unless one of you copied and pasted, we're gonna have to paraphrase. I think that's okay. I don't have them. Um, so Vishal 
asked us, uh, in essence, um, what, and Dap, tell me if you, if you interpret it differently, but if I recall, it was what, um, you know, we talk about different artists and we often, um, that in, in, in trying to have a shorthand to describe artists, we often compare them to other artists that our listeners or we know. Um, in fact, we just did it last week when we were comparing, um, Steve Scross, Scross, Scrossy, Scrossy, Scrossy. We were comparing Steve Scrossy's art to, uh, from Maestro's to other people. Um, and his question was who, what artists can we think of that we feel are, are visually distinct, meaning that not only do they have their own style, but that they're not even someone that per se has led to others mimicking that style. So I, I, I took this question to mean not, it wouldn't be someone like a Jim Lee or a Neil Adams or a, or a Kirby that, that you could trace their, their, their period in time to leading to a whole school of people trying to ape their style, but more, artists that have such a distinctive look and style and are, and, and st- stand as their own. There aren't really other people out there that you would say are like them. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't count a Paul Pope among that. Or, um, I thought that was interesting because, because I, I do think a lot of times we'll, we think of artists that are like patient X of a school of art. Right. Um, but that's, that's a different question. So, and we do all the time. We yeah. every episode we say I see traces sure. of X in Y, and it's just it's just a natural. You're always trying to find patient zero by yeah. J, by Jason's by the way, term. Steve did listen to the episode. Now I don't know if he listened because he has a Google alert and saw his name mentioned, or he just uh, had where listen. would it have, where would it have gotten mentioned? Because he oh you're right. Well, it's entirely possible someone else said, "Hey, they talked about Maestros." Sure. I, I know that we know that Steve listened at least to his portion, Vince's <laughs> discussion of Maestros, because we mentioned Burnham during our discussion, and Scrooge uh, called uh, mentioned to Burnham that we were talking shit about him, and Burnham was giving us shit on Twitter about it. And I don't recall that we were talking shit about him. No, we didn't talk. No, shit. it was all in jest. No, it was and, all in and, jest. And, but I'm yeah. saying. So my point is, is Steve heard last episode. So if that perhaps led him to being a regular listener. Hi, Steve. You're killing me on my stress. <laughs> he is. But yes. uh, but who would you say? Who, who would you say fits into Vishal's question? Well, I think you need to crib the question in who else in the comic industry could be a precedent. Because if you broaden it to the art world at large, there are tons. Oh, sure. There are tons. No, I, I agree. Of, I, I of precedents. He meant comic artists. Too. Right. If we're going to limit it exclusively to comic artists, I don't see a precedent to Richard Corbin. There is nobody before him that draws the way he draws. But what about after him? Oh, geez, there's tons. Um, no, but that's what I'm saying. He, he was asking for distinct voices, like people yeah. that they have a style and that we, we, don't, we don't see others even attempt to mimic them or, or successfully mimic them. Okay, um, David's going to hate me, but I don't see copies of the Pander Brothers before or after. But I hate you because you don't like that run. You don't oh, like stop. You really don't. You don't like the Christine just because, Spar. Just because Spar is not my favorite Grendel, right? It? First of all, even if it's still even 
it's not bad by any stretch, but it, and it's still beautiful to look at. It's it's a fantastic story, and even mm-hmm. even if I were to call it bad Grendel, it's still Grendel. So right. there is no bad Grendel. So I'm going to use that. I'm going to say the Pander Brothers. That's a good one. I yeah. like that. Okay. Oh, um. I I I think people have tried to mimic him, but have not done so in Instant Kevich. Oh, and that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. Oh, now, nice. now, not, not, you know, post Demon Bear Sinkevich. Obviously, before that, he was very much in the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I, I think there are two very successful um, artists that may have used Sinkevich as an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe three. I think Ashley Wood does a okay. really good Sinkevich. When he wants okay. to, um, I think Simon Bisley does too. Okay, there's a lot of Sinkevich in Simon yeah. Bisley. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. Uh, who else? I had another one, yeah. but thanks to the Malbec, I have I, forgotten I will it. Give you two, two, two EOC favorites, modern artists: Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent. Yeah, you nailed it in two. Yep. Yeah, that is Thank good. You. Thank you. How about Chris Ware? Hmm. There are a lot of clean line artists out there. Maybe not as But that do the that that integrate graphic design in the same way that, that where it's so important in to the work. Not a lot of like, I don't just think of Chris's as clean lines. I think of Chris's almost mathematically focused on the graphic pop art of the layout. Yeah. I'll be honest. No? I, I think a lot of that precise adherence to the elements of design that Chris revels in sucks a lot of the humanity out of his work. Uh, I'm not putting any object, uh, uh, value judgment on it. Right. I'm not, I know. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. But there's a lot of that style of, of artists in his wake. Don't ask me to name them because oh, okay. uh, I'm not going to be able um, But that particular style because he encompasses How about total Ben. Yeah. Tom Sutton total Ben yeah. owes a lot to Tom Sutton. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair point. What was I going to say? What about a, uh, like a, your boys, like a, like a, like a Pete bag or something. Well, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't admit to it, but I think Pete Bag owes a shit ton to Don Martin. That's yeah. interesting because yes. you know yes. I love Don Martin and I don't like Pete Bag. Yeah, I, I think because I don't want to say why, but the, Don Martin's exaggeration is somewhat restrained. Pete Bags is totally unhinged. Yeah, I mean, right, Don Martin's got the hot bellies and the big noses and the big yeah. feet. Yeah. You're, you're going to groan, but in within the comic industry, yes, there are a lot of precedents without the comic industry. Nobody approaches comics like Josh Bayer right now. Nobody well, does. Why don't we laugh? I mean... Because you, 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 you expect it. Because he's got it. It's, yeah, it's, How about it's, Brian Chippendale? Mickey Zakili approaches... 
comics the same way as Brian Chippendale. Mm-hmm. Maybe she got the the inspiration from from him. The, a lot of the Fort Thunder guys, I mean Brian Chippendale was at the 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 tip of that spear, but uh Matt Brinkman approaches comics a lot like okay. Brian Chippendale. So the whole school was of one mind. So mm-hmm. I yeah, I can't single out Chippendale as being the poster child. At, for the revolution, they they seemingly were all into it at the same time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, yeah, no. Hey, 11 o'clock comics. This is Ken Kloss. Um, just checking in. Uh, really excited to listen to the 500th episode. I want to thank you guys for all the content that you produce. Um, I'm a, a proud um, patron of 11 o'clock comics. Um, I'm looking forward to 500 more and, and getting to 1,000. Have a great day. <laughs> I hate I hate the guy's work, but I, I <laughs> Dude, I don't say, say hate. <laughs> say I dislike. I, I, I have to say that uh, he certainly is distinctive. Uh, Bart Sears. Why do you hate oh, Bart I, Sears? I, I hate Bart Sears. You hate I, Bart Sears? You oh, know, yeah, I oh. find I find this intriguing because when I post images on the Cover a Day project on the on the Patreon site, I usually get about. 10 likes over a period of time, 10 to 15 likes. Mm-hmm. I posted a cover to Exo Manowar illustrated exactly. by Bart Sears and I got maybe two likes and I think it's maybe at three now. And it's been, I think I was it, one of them. Yeah. It's been a while since like, why do people find Bart Sears? Okay, on, I'll, on, I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly why. I think that his, his ridiculous over muscularized anatomy makes me think like, dude, Looks at muscle mags and like, like, like gay porn mags all day long to find his 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 reference. It's like he like like in a in a medium where we already objectify the human body to absurd proportions. He takes it to the next level. It's the same reason I always so, was turned off by He Man as a toy but what's, property. I what's that wrong was with that? Where where's where's the fault in that? To, to take, I just don't to, find it visually appealing. It feels okay. strange to me. It feels like he's sexual over overly sexualizing the male form, which doesn't do anything for me. So I think he's idealizing the male form, but yeah. mm, but I don't I, think a fifteen pack is idealizing the male form. That's not what but, male. Looks no, no, no. I think you're doing him a disservice. Bart Sears has a command of human anatomy. It's just that he distorts it and 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 transforms it in a way that he sees fit. It's it's there's. There's very little difference between what Jack Kirby did and what Bart Sears is doing. <laughs> in, in, no, in, no, I'm saying in essence, Kirby saw there were limits to the human anatomy that he thought should be exploited and magnified. Bart Sears is doing the same thing. I'm not saying their approach is any different to, sure. to the actual when, when that pen tip hits the paper, but conceptually you have an organism that jack kirby saw was lacking in potency and magnified it bart sears is doing the same thing it's just a different way of 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 speaking on paper but it's it's the same language i think listen uh as we as we said several times this episode it's a there's a fine line uh for me he goes too far into the 
hyper detailed, over overly musculatured look, and I find it off putting. Right. I mean, I I do like Bart Sears' work, but it is it's very chiseled, right? Sure. It, it's like he he has taken David and amped him to the nth degree, right? It's it's the female, it's the ideal for the masculine form to the nth power. But I, I don't find his style of drawing unpleasant. I feel like he takes every character, draws a model of them, then he thinks about what they would look like after they take Bane's venom for a few months, and then he draws that. <laughs> and I don't, again, I, just to, I'm just fixating on one thing you said. I, I don't think Bart Sears needs reference. <laughs> he may not. Maybe yeah. he could use some. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's just wrong. It hurts. I like his stuff. I know you do, as does David. No, I don't think David does like his work all that much. Yes, you do. David, tell him. I, you, you guys are breaking up. He said you like Bart Sears' work. I said I don't think you like his work as much as he thinks you like his work. I like Bart Sears' work. Okay. I'm wrong. There you go. Bowen Board. Bowen Board. <laughs> but it does. Yeah. It it speaks to us a very particular time in comics. Yes. Yeah. I'd like to see him get more work. That'd be great. And well, and there, and and while we're on that, oh, he did for what? Yeah, Dash you're breaking up. You're breaking up, buddy. Oh my god. I'm sorry. <laughs> But while we're on the subject of who we would like to see more work from, I think the number one name on my list of artists that are sadly misrepresented in the comic industry today, John Bogdanov. Well, and why? Yeah. I mean, why are you? Why? Be well, no, I'm saying like why him of all? Because I mean, to me, he's one of the many bygone artists that just don't do much work anymore. But my point is he shouldn't be because he, he did one of the all-time greatest runs on Superman. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude's work, if we're talking the one of the perfect styles from mainstream comics, John Bogdanov is, is, is up there. And the fact that he doesn't get work now, it just boggles my mind. Like, I, I look at, at mainstream comics of today, especially Marvel, and, and, and these artists that seemingly just spit it out right and it's it's lacking in emotion and in dynamism and and just something that's pleasing to my eye john bogdanov does all that more like why isn't john bogdanov on mainstream comics today do we know that that it's him not getting jobs and him just moving on into a different part of well, no, I don't know. I don't know what what the case is, but I'm just saying, comparing apples to apples, if if it's a you know a standard DC or Marvel comic, and I and I'm I'm the 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 line work and the and the 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 that meets my eye, when I compare it to John Bogdanov, it it it's lacking. Mm-hmm. David, do, what do you think? I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, I think his stuff's beautiful. I, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you there at all. 
No, it just he, said uh, he he did a. I don't know if he did. He, I know he did the cover. He did a. Um, I think he had a story in in a uh, Superman anniversary issue not too long ago. Yeah, I mean, I've in all the years that we've done the show and attended cons, I've never seen him at a con. Same, or, or is, I've never seen his name mentioned as attending a con. Yeah, the, the same here, same here. Yeah. But I, I mean, if if we're gonna hop in the wayback machine, and I had a list my favorite Superman artists, Bogdanov would be up there. Wow. This I, this I, is one of those areas I wouldn't feel compelled to speak on because I haven't read enough Batman, uh, Superman. So. No, he just bought brought a majesty to the character that. Um, and and a a fluidity of line that it's just he 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 melded artifice with. I mean, let's be honest. Mainstream superhero comics are it's 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 a business, right? So so you had the both world, the best of both worlds. He he approached it with a dedication to craft that worked well within the the arena for which it was designed but it 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 jumped up a few notches in that you know it like like Rick Leonardi Rick Leonardi's line I think is fabulous and I, I see a lot of similarities in Rick Leonardi's line and Bogdanov's line right it just it just was elevated something that was designed to just move paper Mm-hmm. And I I just don't see that at Marvel and DC today. Yes, there are exceptions to that, but as a whole, mainstream comics today are lacking in the approach to craft that guys like Leonardi and Bogdanov bring to it. And I've realized that makes me sound like an old fart. I don't care. <laughs> no, that's cool. That'd be a good OG to get at a con one of these days. I wonder what he's up to. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't have to say this. My OA budget is... <laughs> you don't have an OA budget. I don't have an OA budget, but I would very much consider buying a Bogdanov original. Yeah. It's all in, like you said it, it's all in, in what speaks to you. That's spe- <laughs> Leonardi speaks to me. There's another one who had a... Um... Uh, the Kickstarter, which didn't get funded. The Bart Sears one got funded. Bogdanov's didn't, but that was because I think the rewards were a bit off kilter. I just yeah. want you both to realize what a master of deception I am. We are coming up on two hours. Yeah, yeah I I'm, I'm painfully aware. <laughs> so so the, other, the other question from the evening. Oh, um, bring it. Uh, and I do not remember who asked it. Was it Caleb? I, th- uh, what's the question? Yeah, it was Caleb. It was Caleb. Um, Caleb asked because um, we were chatting on the on the video uh, about horror movies, ma- mainly because um, we were focusing on you because of your obsession, longtime obsession and love for horror films. Uh, but Caleb said he would love to hear our thoughts on a classic horror property film, primarily that we think could be turned into an amazing comic book. Either he didn't specify whether ongoing mini one shot would have you, so I'm assuming no rules apply there. Right. But uh, but what would you like to see adapted that perhaps hasn't been adapted already? 
well, this has never been adapted um, because not many people have seen it. My favorite horror film is Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Mm-hmm. Bob, Bob Clark, Alan Ormsby. Horror films, to me, don't get better than that. And it's a, I'm not going to go into the reasons why, but it, it's, it's one of those things where low-budget, crappy film stock, the crew that made it were supremely talented, where they made the best with what they had. It's just, I think it's the perfect horror film. Um, there are actually a number of artists I would like to see illustrate the adaptation of Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Number one, I think the guy that would do the best job is Richard Corbin. He would nail it. Mike Plug would do a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Sutton would do great. God rest his soul. Uh, I think the 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 great team of Steve Bissett and John Totalbin would do a great job. Like there there are a number of people that could interpret this work and do it justice. But if I had to pick only one, I would have to go with Richard Corbin. Okay. Yeah. Cool. David, Jack, do you have do you have one? Um, I part of me now I say because I'm not I'm not a huge horror movie fan. Um, you go first, Jason, or next. <laughs> um, the first thing that came to mind for me, uh, and it could be let's say a twelve issue limited series, a maxi series as they used to call them, would be Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm. I the, do you have, mean the original or the, the well, Donald Sutherland? <laughs> um, I was just going to say, I, I have seen many times all of the versions, uh, including the Forrest Whitaker version, including the... Uh, the, the Nicole Kidman version? The Nicole Kidman, uh, okay. Daniel, da- Daniel Craig version. Um, uh, but but the, for me, the one that kept me from sleeping was when I was a kid and the Donald Sutherland version came out. You're not alone. Hmm. <laughs> I, I can, re- as we're talking about this, I'll never forget that moment. Uh, I guess spoilers for a movie that's 40 years old, but <laughs> when Donald Sutherland screams, and goes, <gasps> and points, yep. you know, at yep. the end. And, and, and it just, that just flipped me the fuck out. It's a great or when movie. they go into the, um, I guess it was a massage parlor, Right. And and they're all enveloped in the the protoplasmic plant type material, um, but whatever. I mean, from from the whole concept of that idea just always struck a chord because it was a little bit science fictiony and and just a, a teeny bit plausible. I mean, we live in a world where there are all kinds of um, symbiotic uh, relationships. We we have tons of bacteria that live in and on us. So the idea that some type of alien creature could come and take over us as a host certainly within the realm of of of, of possibilities in the grander scheme of all that could happen in a universe. Um, and yeah, I just thought there was something about the way that they did that version that just uh, was was petrifying. Um, and so yeah, I would love to see that done. And it would it would be I'd want it to be someone who was 
uh, moody and and spotted blacks really well. I mean, someone like a like a uh, like a Gabriel Hardman, or uh, or frankly like a like a Tommy Lee or a John Paul Leone, like that kind of that kind of look would be great. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I was going to originally say like Scalera, but I feel like that's a cop out for me because I always want Mateo to draw everything. <laughs> so I don't think um, that's a cop out at all. I think he'd do great. Oh no, no, no doubt, no yeah. doubt. But I just figured people like, oh, there he goes again talking about Mateo. One um, just one just came to me. It's not mm-hmm. a film that I particularly love, but if someone was going to do a comic book adaptation of The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm-hmm. I th- I think Jeff Darrow would do a phenomenal job. Ooh, nice. Yeah. That's nice. So, yeah, there you go. I guess, uh, Dapper, you, you tapping out on this one? Uh, no, there's, um, I was, I was thinking about a, um, I was thinking about Thinner, uh, the Stephen King story, but, um, for a movie, I am going to because the the thinner movie wasn't all that great, uh, but one movie that freaked me the fuck out when I saw it when I was little uh, was "It's Alive." Oh, the, the Buchanan movie. <laughs> the Is baby? It, yeah, I think it's a Larry Buchanan movie. Um. But who would I get to? Um, it's not. I was. I was looking for something that had a lot of shadows and and was. I mean, and there are some scenes where it is a little dark, especially with all the cops and 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 Somni would probably set the mood just right. But um, I'm sorry, it's Larry Cohen, not Larry. Was, Buchan- oh. Not Larry Buchanan. Larry Cohen. Um, I don't know. Who do you think could? I, I I'm I'm drawing a blank as far as who I think would do a decent job bringing that to uh bringing that to the page. Oh, Wrightson. But that's yeah. that's that's pretty much a pat answer. Wrightson yeah. Wrightson would do a great job with any horror movie. Um, and if you haven't Maybe read Yola, it, it's ooh, I, that's a good choice. It's a good one, yeah, yeah. I like I that. Want, I want to get the mood, and and it's it's one of those things where it's just there are only certain certain guys who could actually. As I'm reading it on the page and turning the page, and and I, I just don't want someone just drawing pretty pictures. So there there needs to be yeah yeah that's how I'd go with. That's like a that. that's a really neat answer. Mm-hmm. Left field, but yeah, that would work. Who did the uh, the makeup effects for "It's Alive"? Do you know? Uh, it wasn't. Um, you gonna tell me it was Rick Baker? It was Rick Baker. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeedy, my man. Uh, oh, I love you so much. Jason, do you know who Rick Baker is? Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got I'm kidding. Because no, I don't have a lot of balls. I'm kidding you. I'm just Wait, teasing here's the you. The funny thing about that little barb that made seven million dollars is is that you Dap just got done saying that he's not really a horror movie guy. Mm-hmm. Now I am no way 
the horror movie fan that you are, but I have watched a fucking shit ton of horror movies. Okay. What? Yet, Dap is not the horror fan and you just assume that he knows who Rick Baker is. But I wouldn't fucking know who he is. All right. Don't be me. Don't be upset. I'm just kidding. I'm well Dick. that's all on you. That's all on you. Dick. What famous <laughs> movie sequence was made possible by the contents of Rick Baker's archives? Meaning masks he had already created that were used spur of the moment for this world famous movie sequence. Huh. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you're not talking about th- you're not talking about the fact that he used his uh, werewolf stuff in Thriller, right? Nope. No, that's not what you're talking about. No. I don't know. I don't know what you mean. I don't. The Cantina sequence in the first oh, Star Wars movie oh, cool. used used the con- like. Um, I guess Lucas went to Baker and said, "Can you help me out here? I need." you know, this, this sequence done, and they just pillaged the Rick Baker archives and took all of the, the masks that, that Baker had created and used them in the Cantina sequence. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, he created new things for the sequence, but they also capitalized on the fact that Baker had a ton of stuff laying around and they just used it. So, yeah, Star Wars, the Cantina sequence. is Now, what's is, baffling, he's won seven Oscars. But the films that he's won Oscars for would floor you. Um, not King Kong. No, not Star the Wars. The first one, his his inaugural award would be the one that I think makes sense because what's that? American Werewolf in London. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, he did he did practical effects for movies that weren't horror or sci-fi related exactly. and, and he probably yeah. won for those. He won Oscars for American Werewolf in London, which they say was the first year that they gave out that award for best makeup and hairstyling. Um Harry and the Hendersons. Ugh. <laughs> Ed Wood. Yep. The Nutty Professor. The one with Eddie Murphy? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh, Men in Black. Yeah, I knew that. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And The Wolfman. The one with Wolverine? Um, Samuel uh, Hugh Jackman. Isn't he in? Isn't he in that Wolfman movie? Um, what the hell am I thinking of? But that Wolfman movie was a blip. How many people went to see uh, that? That was thing? Benicio del Toro. Del Toro, yeah, okay, yeah, but it's a blip. I know. Still Crazy, a right? Now, meanwhile, for our listeners who don't know, he did effects for, let's see, The oh, Exorcist. God, laundry list of movies. Yeah, but uh, both both the nineteen seventies King Kong and the new King Kong. Um, it's alive. Yep. Uh, let's see. He's done a million of them, but Star Wars, as you noted, American Werewolf in London, um, The Howling, which was one of the first horror movies I saw in the theaters. Oh, it's such a good movie. Yeah. Rob Bond, too. Thriller, mm. which was a Whatever. big deal back then. Yeah. Dude, it's the biggest music video of all time. It's crap. Um, um, Coming to America. He was seeing Eddie Murphy. Boy. Um, Gremlins 2. Wow. Batman <sighs> Forever. Oof. Underrated. 
Gremlins 2, <laughs> you're right, is underrated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. The Hellboy. Marky Mark one? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, no, 2001 one. That's the Marky Mark one, right? Oh, it is the Marky Mark. God damn yeah. it. Time flies. Yeah, Jesus. Yep. Yeah. What the fuck? That was 16 years ago. Jesus <laughs> um, Welcome to uh, life. X-Men, X-Men The Last Stand. Oi. Oh, Vince's, <laughs> Vince's favorite, Click. <laughs> such, you're such a douche. <laughs> such a douche. Oh, Lord. Uh, Norbit, another Eddie Murphy classic. Uh, Tropic Thunder, which is fantastic. That is yeah. a great movie. That is a it great is. movie. Uh, Tron Legacy. Oh, God, turn it off, please. He's done some shitty movies. Probably gotten big paychecks for him, though. Yep. But did you know, while we're on the subject, Rick Baker is also an accomplished illustrator? I didn't know that, per se, but I would imagine he had to be good at at a lot of different artistic techniques to do what he's done. Yeah, he he has done covers for... um, the, the, The one that springs to mind... Immediately is the Popeye cover he did for uh, Bela Lugosi's, um, what's the name of the book? I think it's Bela Lugosi's Tales of Terror uh, for um, Arcane Comics. And he did a cover of Popeye, a realistic depiction of Popeye that's just astounding. And uh, put it on the cover. I don't know why Popeye would fit for the cover of Bela Lugosi's Tales of Terror, but it does. And uh, I remember just being blown away when I saw it, when it was published. That's just a brief brief aside. Sorry. Um, let's get this boat back on course. We have let's not. Wrap it up. We, nah, wrap it up. we the, haven't the, heard from. What? We have not heard from David yet. Dude, we got yes, wrap it up, yes, though. we have. We've no, I, we David haven't. No, David has has given his two cents on on everything that we've. You with the oh killing joke, God. I, I <laughs> ran rush out over that. We talked about. I, I I I took. All right. Okay. So don't worry, and and I'll I'll talk Thursday. We'll be back in two days. As long as I don't break up, I'll talk Thursday. Two days. All right. Picking up the slack. My brothers are dropping. Um. This episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has, as usual, God love them, although I don't know why they didn't call in for episode 500. It would have been nice. Discount Comic Book Service. Did we D- ask them to? No, we didn't. But Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can get everything in the previous catalog at a fraction of the cover price, such as from... Oh, that's not the right one. There we go. From uh, DC, it's Lobo by Keith Giffen and Alan Grant. $12.49. Dynamite is serving up Barbarella, number one. A new ongoing, uh, $1.99. And last, but certainly not least, Jason's favorite cartoon, Rocco's Modern Life from Boom, will cost you $1.99. We teased it last episode and we did not get it to it this episode so i will repeat what i said before i'm not cheating i can add something else run as fast as your tiny little feet can carry you to your local comic book store or discount comic book service and get 
your hands on a copy of Maestro's Number 1 by Steve Scrosey. We will talk about it at length, but I have included a number of images in the uh, gallery for this episode. So if my words don't convince you to go out and get this, these images will. It is the most, I will not say that. It is a superb first salvo from Image Comics. Visually, it is a punch to the face. Yes? You both agree with me on that? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. I'm happy with that. And uh, because David and I are going to talk about this next episode, get your hands on a copy of Cognetic by yep. James, James Tinian IV and Eric Donovan from Boom. We're going to talk about it. So if you want to play along with us, read that for next episode. It's only three issues. It is only three issues. And and I, I think, Vince, um, as a teaser for everybody, I think you and I are i don't care what the creators i don't care what eric i don't care what james says about these being connected stories i think you and i are are fine with saying that these are separate entities standalone stories that aren't connected to because there's one there's one theme that is the same with each of these three stories. Well, we didn't, we haven't I haven't read, read eugenic, eugenic yet. Yeah. No. Yeah. So we don't, but so but, what would you say that theme is the end of the world? Okay. Every, the, but the, specifically the and, and the medic are both about the, the end of the world. Big picture. Yeah. Yes. But and that's, when that's, you, that's the only common, that's, that's all I see that they have in common. I don't see the big bad being i mean yes there is well we'll get into it we'll get into it there, there, there's one yeah but they're they're yeah all right i don't want to spill the beans but no, big yeah. big picture they both are about the end of the world but yes. when when you hone in on the source i think the human organism being overtaken by an external source is the theme it, it's done in mimetic the meme oh, yes. just totally yes. rapes society. In cognetic, right. it's something well, man, else. Man, man brings it upon himself. But yes, yes. Yeah. Hi, David Vincent Jason. Ken Worthing here. Congratulations to 11 O'Clock Comics on reaching episode 500. I raise my glass to you. Here's the next 500, guys. Okay. They are yes, linked. Well, You're right. They are linked. I will say in your travels, um, I love Vince so much. Of course, <laughs> um, don't run to your shop to your comic shop because you will not find it there. Hmm. It is available from Amazon. It is Boy Maximortal number one. Damn you! D- did you get yours already? I got it today. Damn! How the hell did that happen? I was gonna, I, I was gonna hold it up during the, um, during the Patreon video. Um, I, I started reading it this afternoon. I um, we ordered it the same time. How did you get yours when, before when mine? Did you, when did you order it? Did, when I told you I ordered it. 
Well, you I, should I, be looking for other things to and you know what, the order. Right. You know what the other thing I, I used was? The the uh, Rarebit Fiends, the new issue of Rarebit Fiends. Oh, I like it. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, I, I ordered it when I was I was talking to you, and you got yours before mine. Like, that's just wrong. We should have got it. Wrong. We should have got it the same day. Well, is it on the way? In the movie ending, we would get it the same day. It's true. Yes, yes. Yeah. When, we, when we sell the rights, is it is it on its way? It damn well better be. Yeah, I ordered it days ago. It's okay to track packages on Amazon. That's, I don't like doing that, bro. No, how you get it if they if they're like, oh well, we delivered it, and you're like, no, you didn't. I don't want to know. I like to be oh. I because no, I don't. I don't need to have that much control over my life. I don't. It's not about control. It's it about is. It's totally scenario. about control. <laughs> not, no, it isn't. It's for me. Tracking it's packages is know. wrong. It's wrong. It's not what? wrong. I don't you're, do you're, it. You are, you are so twisted, high. dude. I'm Seriously. not twisted. I want to be surprised. There's there's a difference between being surprised no, and actually it, being concerned. All right. If if I order it on a Monday and I don't get it till if I, and it hasn't come till two weeks later. Yeah, I'm going to click that link and say, where the frig is my package? But I, if it's... And by then they're going to be like, well, someone signed for it, so... No, nobody signs for it. I, I like I like the unexpected. I get I, it. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. That, okay, you don't, you don't have to know, but at least mm -hmm. if you know that it's going to be here tomorrow, then maybe we could try to read some of it for Thursday. Oh, if That's it comes tomorrow, saying. I'm going to read some of it for Thursday. Yeah. Oh, shite. Rick Veach, right. one of the greatest comic creators of all time. Speak not on it. Not an understatement. Bring it. You know, if 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 I had my druthers and and I could pick, you know, five people who I would love to interview, Veach would definitely be on that list. Oh, mental note. Yep. Dude, I'm gonna punch Adobe in the face. I have got I have received update Adobe Flash Player four times during the recording of this broadcast and I keep clicking on remind me later and it keeps coming up like this is just freaking annoying. Why is this doing this? Cuz you have a Mac. Stop it. You mean you mean the greatest <laughs> operating system on the planet? Yeah, I have yes. one. Yes. All right. In your travels. I oh, for, wait, Dad, we have shout-outs, don't we? Yeah, we do. We have... Let's take more time to tell those shout-outs. <laughs> Two shout-outs. Slowly. This time around. Slowly. We have a Nigel Anders. Yay! Let's give him his Nigel. due. Let's not proceed to the next one until we give him his due. Yay, Watch Nigel. Love. And we have Patrick Delira. I like my Patrick. man, Patrick. Yeah. My man. My man. Thank Your you. man. Our man. Who are the, the latest in our ever-increasing Patreon family. For those who haven't yet checked it out, it is at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 11 o'clock comics, which is 110 comics. And you will be able to re regale yourself in all manner of bonus content there including vince's awesome cover of the day project do you like that uh, i do i do all right i was meaning to ask you about that naughty one from a few days ago but that's an aside for now um banks in the gang uh, 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, it's filthy. You should mm-hmm. see. Uh, you know, I should scan pages from it. It is absolutely filthy, and it, it's done in the Archie style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, but yes, yeah, so so check it out. We are extremely fortunate, as we discussed a few weeks ago, to have reached a a, a, a new tier, uh, which is at least six or more episodes uh, of EOC per month, and so we. Happy. It's uh, it's October 25th as we're recording this, and that means that next week begins the first salvo of our uh, original OG patrons who have uh, pledged um, at the tier for six months that will entitle them to a uh, goodie box from us. Yeah. So we will be busy beavers Ugh. in a week or two packaging those up and sending so those along. So busy, yeah. It's going to be fun, though. I'm looking forward to it. I am too. So, um, but then in your travels, in terms of reading, um, Mr. Higgins comes home. What is this? It isn't Mr. Higgins comes home. It is a, a new, uh, original graphic novel by dark horse written by Mr. Mike Mignola with art by Warwick Johnson Caldwell. Oh, um, shit. what I ordered this and I didn't get it yet. Oh, mm. Well, this is a truly unique experience for me because I ordered it mainly because uh, Mignola can do no wrong. And I knew from the solicit that it was a vampire OGN. And Vince and I are both big fans of Baltimore, which is uh, a series of an ongoing series of 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 arcs that uh, Mignola does involving a vampire uh, vampire hunter. So I thought this would be in line with that. It's 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 actually its own totally separate thing, and uh, it's quirky. It's 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 very different than I thought it would be. In that almost everything else that Mignola does, even if it's not formally set in the Hellboy universe, feels the same to me. It, it, when it well, I don't mean the same. Feels like it could belong there. Uh, there's a certain color palette. A, a tonal style to the artist he collaborates with, um, a pacing, mm-hmm. uh, a, a grimness. It just all feels like it belongs as part of the puzzle. This, even though it's the same subject matter, just felt so different. This felt to me like a 1970s Bond dessinée. Oh, you're kidding. You're killing no. me. And it's um, preparations begin at Castle Golga for the annual festival of the undead as a pair of fearless vampire killers question a man hidden away in a monastery on the Baltic Sea. The mysterious Mr. Higgins wants nothing more than to avoid the scene of his wife's death and the truth about what happened to him in that castle. However, these heroic men sworn to rid the world of the vampire scourge inspire Higgins to venture out and to end the only suffering he really cares about, his own. Uh, the thing about this book, though, is it's it's lighthearted. It's psychedelic. It's It's a different experience than what you're used to with Mignola. And I think for the better, um, I came away. It's it's very it's very short. It's it, it's a hardcover OGN, but it's it's honestly size wise akin to a two or three issue miniseries. Um, so I'm trying to see if I'm just looking for the page count. I don't see a page count, unfortunately. Wow. Um, you know, you say fearless vampire killers, mm-hmm. and, and I think Roman Polanski, and the fact that you said it's lighthearted. That meshes very well with 
Roman Polanski's Fearless Vampire Killers. Mm -hmm. Have you ever oh, seen it? No. Okay. No. Um, but yeah, so you combine Caldwell's art style with uh, with the tone and the color palette. It's it's it was a decidedly unique experience, even though it was yes another Mignola horror book. Um, this was a uh, like I said this this if you had handed this to me and said it was a, a humanoid adaptation of of something that was serialized in a seventies Belgian comic magazine, I would have said oh yeah okay that makes sense. So I do recommend it. It's um, Again, it's Mr. Higgins Comes Home by uh, Mike Mignola and Warwick Johnson. Co I'm sorry, Codwell, not Caldwell, Codwell, C-A-D-W-E-L-L. Uh, and it's uh, it's $14.99 cover price. I had the good fortune of paying $7.50. Me too. At, at uh, Discount Comic Book Service. Can't wait. So Yes. I don't get my books every week like you. So it'll be coming. Yeah, you know. I know. It'll be coming very soon. All right, mm -hmm. question for you. Fearless Vampire Killers. Why? Is, I mean, other than the fact that it was—it's a good movie directed by Roman Polanski. Um, what was the name of the actress featured in the movie who met an untimely end? I had never heard of the movie until okay. thirty seconds ago. All so. right, it, it features Sharon Tate. Right, Ooh, and nice. Sharon, Sharon Tate was yeah. uh, unfortunately murdered by the Manson clan. Yeah. 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 Mm, crazy. Yep. There you go. Well, we'll be back in less than 48 hours, everybody. Well, did Dap do his in your travels? Oh, my oh, lord. My. Oof. I'm sorry. The grape is strong in this one. It is. It, High midichlorian count. Dude, this Merlot is great. No, get it. It's a Malbec. It's so great. It's oh, Malbec. yeah. It's so great. It's a Malbec. You're right. It is a Malbec. All right, everybody. Oh, um, oh, no. I'm sorry. Thank you for being here with us on this shorter than usual episode. We will make amends. It's so short. It is. We will make amends next time and give you a full length EOC episode. But thank you uh, for everything. Uh, be back here because, as you know, David gets all bent out of shape if you're not. Oh, yes. I, and and I should say that um, just so it's clear that I'm not reneging on promises, uh, I will discuss the other two books that were voted on by our patrons on our main Thursday episode, and those books are Mister Miracle Number Three oh. and Sherlock Frankenstein. Um. Uh, and number the Legion of Evil, number, number one. one. Yeah, I got to get caught up. Yeah. Okay. How long ago did that come out? I don't know if I have it in... Last week. Last week. Yeah. Oh, so that I don't have it. Then. Okay. Say goodnight. Merlot. No, stop. David. Wow. Good night. David, seriously, what was what was that beep? I heard a beep. Yeah, me too. That was cool. That was on Jason's side. That was me that whistling. Was like a whistle or, he's yeah. cheating, is what he's doing. I was whistling. Damn capitalist! All right, everybody, <laughs> <laughs> come back next episode. We love you so much. We will be here waiting for you. Get your asses here. We love you so much.
Good night. And we love you in case you didn't know. So we do. So much. So much. I can't, so even much. I can't even tell you how much we love you. Words cannot Honestly. encompass the feelings that are pouring it's from my hard heart. To express how much love we have. Exactly. I'm glad we're on the same page. 100. Yep. Oh, and by the way, hmm. Heroes Con is only seven months away. Oh, it's too long. Mm. I Which will is be... why we should go to Emerald City. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. For, and I'll tell you why. Off, off mic. Okay. 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 Well, yeah. then, peace out, everybody. But we, we will meet yeah, up yeah. before then. I will make the drive to either oh, Jason cool. or oh, David's cool. house before then. Oh, that's yeah. cool, but that's... Yeah, but I'll tell you why. Say goodnight. Say goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.